Don't Miss a Beat is a podcast series brought to you by the law firm of Saul Ewing, Arnstein & Lear that covers views from diverse constituencies within the food, beverage, and agribusiness, also known as FBA, sector. Hosted by Jonathan Havens and Kermit Nash, co-chairs of the firm's FBA group, episode guests offer various perspectives on a variety of legal, policy, and industry developments, day-to-day FBA issues, best practices, and the road ahead. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of our Food, Beverage, and Agribusiness podcast series, Don't Miss a Beat. My name is Jonathan Havens, and I'm the co-chair of both the firm's Food, Beverage, and Agribusiness practice, as well as the firm's Cannabis Law practice, and I'm based in our Baltimore and Washington, D.C. offices. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Paul Schieffer. Paul is the Senior Director of Sustainability at Amy's Kitchen. Amy's, which uh, some of you might know, began as a home kitchen startup in Santa Rosa, California, now serves millions of global customers with organic, ready-made frozen meals. I'm happy to say I'm one of those consumers. Paul has spent close to 15 years of his career with Amy's and uh, thus has a fantastic set of institutional knowledge of this impressive company. Paul, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Great. Thank you, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Paul, there are so many different things we could get into today, um, you know, mindful of, of our time. One thing I, I wanted to talk about is that Amy's became, as of, I think, December of last year, a certified B Corporation. I've you know, looked into what this is. I know about it from some of our work with other clients. But I'm curious, especially for you know, members of our audience that might not be familiar with what a certified B Corporation means, could you talk a little bit about that? what it is and, and why it's important to Amy's. Sure, absolutely be happy to do so. So let me start with a little background of the certification and the process, and then I'll get into kind of the, the relationship Amy's has with, with it and how we did. Um, so B Corp, it stands for Benefit Corporation. And there's really two parts to it. Part A is really actually a legal change to articles of incorporation or association to become a benefit corporation. And the second piece is really embarking on a process to use a third-party standard and certification process to make sure that we're really doing the things we say we are when it comes to our public benefit. B Labs is the pretty much the only certifier we're aware of that's doing that work. But in theory, other companies could come come in and provide a similar service. Um, but most people, when they talk about B Corp, associate it with the B Labs standard and process behind it. And so that's really what I'll speak about today. Uh, as far as the legal change, I'm actually not an attorney. So I'm going to leave that to people who know that space better to talk about what's required from state to state and different business types, because it's I, I know it can be different depending on context and situation. But I will speak really to the certification process within B-Labs. Um, and at its core, it's really a certification that's awarded to business that use profits and growth as a mean to a greater end. So what does that mean? That means creating a positive impact for their employees, for their communities, for their environment. And ultimately, it also is being part of a community of companies that do believe that we can use our businesses as a force for good and take on issues like inequality, uh, lowering levels of poverty, creating a healthier environment, um, strengthening our communities, and really creating great opportunities of work within our businesses. So uh, we got pretty excited about it because in many ways, it's sort of connected to the history and purpose of Amy's. And just, I guess, to go a little deeper into the standard, and then we'll talk about how Amy's did against it, is... There's three parts to the sort of standard. The first is a review of environmental and social risks. So we looked at things like, have we had any legal cases against our business? It looked at issues like recalls, food safety, human safety. And it was really trying to say, is there any egregious environmental or social risk? Or is our business type something that just by its very nature will do harm to the environment? Fortunately, we cleared that 
that hurdle and then you can kind of enter into the other parts of it. Uh, so there's the legal changes, which we did, and then the performance standard. And that's really the meat of it. And that's where all the, uh, or probably since we're a vegetarian food company, you know, the, the veggies, you know, the, the good stuff. But uh, it's broken into five areas. It looks at governance. So kind of how you operate your business and stay true to that North Star. Uh, looks at workers. So health and safety of those workers, engagement, satisfaction, benefits, pay, topics like that looks at the communities that operate around us. So those could be supply chain communities, like how you treat your sourcing partners or those that work for your sourcing partners. I uh, could also look at your local adjacent communities and the type of e economic development benefits you have to your neighbors, donations, and really importantly, also looks at internal communities, uh, you know, through sort of a justice, equity, diversity, inclusion lens. Um, there's a section on environment, which is the area that I'm the closest to, looking at you know, kind of carbon footprint, water, waste, packaging impact, end of life impact. And the last area is customers, really understanding that, you know, we need to serve the social good of our customers' needs. So are we making food that's safe, that's healthy, that's having positive outcomes? And are we treating customers with the dignity and respect that should be? So broadly, there's a lot of areas. It's a process that took us six to nine months or so to go through all of it from kind of the beginning to the end. We learned a whole lot about our business. And I think really where I would start with is that it helped us reflect on what really made us uh, a unique business to start with. We didn't become a B Corp because of the certification. In many ways, it helped us see what we have done well over the years, kind of in a new light. So we were really fortunate. We scored 102.7 points out of, uh, it's sort of a, an open-ended top. I think you can get theoretically to 200, though I've never heard of a company getting that high in it, but you do have to clear a threshold of 85 to be audited. And the average company that goes through the assessment scores about 50 points. And again, I think it just speaks to the organic and plant-based foods that we make. Um, in fact, we've really spent a lot of time to understand our environmental impact, worker pay, benefits, making sure that we have really great healthcare programs, and ultimately also being a great partner in our community. So a lot of those came through in terms of how we understood ourselves through the certification. And I guess I'll just end with saying it's a journey. It's not really a destination. While it's awesome to become certified, we're thrilled about it. Uh, it's, it's a way to, ref again, reflect on what we've done well. It's only the beginning of a, of a long journey of continuous improvement. And I think you know, through this process, we've also learned a lot of new areas where we could have an even uh, more impactful uh, environmental and social benefits uh, for the communities and the people that we work with. Yeah, that's, that's great. It's really, really helpful to hear that perspective, hear about the process. You know, when you consider how many factors there are that go into this certification, the fact that it only took six to nine months, right? It seems like you jammed quite a bit into that short amount of period. I, I know uh, that it was a very heavy lift. Um, so that's you know, quite impressive and really appreciate the, the background that you've given on that. So last sure. I read, um, the company reported annual revenue about $600 million and has 2,900 employees, give or take. So look, despite mm -hmm. the company size and notoriety, there's certain things that you've addressed here, you know, that evidence what I'm about to talk about, but it's, it's clear that the company, you know, how important social and environmental performance are to the company. Can you give, you know, listeners a sense of how those factors figure into Amy's ethos? Obviously you talked about the B Corp uh, certification, but drill down maybe a little bit on social and environmental, if you could. Yeah, I think it's best to really tell it through the story of Amy's and you know, I appreciate you introduced my professional career at Amy's, which has been about 15 years, but my, my personal life story with Amy's began when I was eight years old. It's actually, uh, Amy is my cousin. It was my uncle and aunt who founded the business. So a lot of my early life was like witness to this beautiful story that became Amy's. And while I was probably too little and too young to know often what I was looking at, certainly as I got into high school and college years and worked in internships in the business, I was able to 
see it for what it was. But so I think from that perspective, let me tell it as my own personal experience, because I think that's the most relevant, you know, when, you know, my uncle and aunt Andy and Rachel, they love food. They loved having people sit at their dining table and enjoy a meal with them. Uh, you know, Rachel grew up with her own organic garden in her backyard. And Andy has always been just deeply moved by the people he surrounds themselves and making sure that they're really treated like family and treated with respect. And it was on the basis of those values that they made this kind of quirky decision to start a food business, literally out of their barn uh, in the back of their property with a handful of people making these little funny pot pies that not one looked the same. Uh, it was actually my grandmother's recipe. But when they looked inward, they're like, okay, we're going to make food. What does that mean to us? Well, it means that it has to just taste delicious. Like we're used to hosting people. We want to serve our products on our dinner table to the people that surround us. So it has to taste good enough, be delicious enough and, and meet that bar. When they started looking at the type of ingredients, uh, Andy really got close to the food system and started going out and meeting farmers and growers. And he really saw, while organic was not even known at that time, there was no national standard. There was no you know, real market around it. Certainly what we have today is significantly different than it was in 1987. He still saw these pockets of excellence in farming where there really was um, kind of recognition of the full ecosystem, recognition of some of the inputs and chemicals and pesticides and what those might be doing to the people working on the farms. And he just felt, look, if I have a choice, I want this company to be the way I would eat food and the way I would eat food would be organically and grown in this really respectful way to people and planet. And that became his founding values. It wasn't on a wall. It wasn't in a business plan. It wasn't, frankly, even really talked about as anything different to the world for many years. But I think, you know, today we reflect back and like, wow, what a powerful vision and aspiration to start a business with such ideals front and center. And we've really benefited that we've built our whole business model around those values. It wasn't something we had to like pivot a big organization that was operating one way to this way of work. It really just, we had scaled these practices, this mindset, this philosophy from, from really day one. And I think that's why it's some way something like B Corp, I don't want to say it was easy for us, but it wasn't like we had to reinvent the business. That's probably why we could do it in six to nine months is it was more of a reflection of what was rather than a re redesign of something that, that wasn't that way. So I think that's, you know, that's really the long story short of it. In the last, you know, maybe 10 years, we've really tried to professionalize sustainability. And even the last handful of years, we've really gone much deeper into things like our carbon footprint, really understanding waste streams, um, you know, getting deeper into some of the areas that we can go beyond. And, and in some ways we're sort of in this, um, you know, as a family business, we go through these generational changes. And so Amy now is, uh, who's who really was born at the same time the company was founded is now coming into her, you know, what is her legacy within Amy's and where does she want to see this business go for the next 30, 50 years? And she sort of coined this term that we want to be on this journey to heal the planet through our business. So, you know, while we've always been very intentional about reducing impact, now we want to go beyond that. And that's, you know, that's a large part of what the planet strategy and my team is trying to do is live up to something that frankly is a bit scary. We know we're not there yet, but it gives us an amazing North Star to kind of continue to grow towards. And ultimately, yeah, that's where we're at. Very cool. So, you know, you hit on, I was going to ask about this organic notion, mm -hmm. right? I say notion because 80s was into organic before, far before, you know, U.S. Department of Agriculture had an organic standard, right? This was talked mm -hmm. about in the 80s. Organic wasn't really a thing. Um, and so, you know, it, it sounds like, I, I think I understand why Amy's got into organic in the first place, but it must be kind of gratifying, I would imagine, for the company to see, okay, we were, you know, kind of adhering to the organic standard or lack thereof previously, mm -hmm. and now there's this recognized standard. And 
I, I would assume it's like, okay, the company has been doing this for a while. Now everyone around you is doing it, which is great, but it's something that the company has kind of lived and breathed for far before there was a standard. So um, mm-hmm. it's not really a, a, a question as much as a comment or observation to say, you know, wow, it's pretty interesting that the company was ahead of its time in, in that respect. And to your point about it feeding into the B Corp uh, certification, how you got that so quickly. I mean, this is something you've been doing for a while. So yeah. I don't know if you have any- kind of Sure, just- no, I, I, I'd love to. And I, yeah, I spoke somewhat to the sort of founding principles, but I think what's also really exciting about organic is kind of where it can go. You know, it, it's for those that haven't deeply studied the standard. I mean, of course there's some hard requirements around, you know, kind of avoidance of synthetic pesticides and herbicides, but there's also other practices that really you need to use to be successful in organic, things like crop rotation, selecting resistant varieties, using nutrient and water management. You're trying to really provide almost this ecosystem or almost a habitat for natural enemies of pests. So look at it as a full ecosystem, not strictly as uh, just producing one thing out of the soil. And I think what to me excites me the most is, is we're just trying to unlock what that really means in terms of the benefits it's having on the planet. You know, obviously the word regenerative is very much in vogue today. We hear it all over the, you know, we're paying attention to it, but we also reflect on what we're doing organic and seeing it's already a regenerative system and most of the attributes that make regenerative interesting. And, you know, we're really, you know, we're really invested in understanding that more. So, you know, we've seen a lot of recent science showing, you know, 26% more carbon being sequestered uh, in organic soils, uh, a lower global warming potential, more biodiversity, and starting to see also the economic side of it, while we understand that, it, you know, of course it has a premium today and that premium is super helpful. We believe that, you know, it can also create an environment where we have, you know, better farm worker livelihoods, you know, sort of sustain those multi-generational family farms. So I think, you know, we're seeing this sort of social economic benefit as well as this environmental benefit. And that's frankly because scale is allowing it to get to a level where these things can be understood, they can be studied and they can be taught to each other. So, you know, we're, we're definitely somebody who's not afraid of scale when it comes to organic. We see we're still, yes, we're a long ways from 1987 when there was no standard and it was just a bunch of kind of crazy contrarians out there doing it, though you could argue you go back a hundred years, everyone was an organic farmer. So it wasn't necessarily that we reinvented something. We just brought something forward, but it's on that basis. What I guess maybe is kind of rambling a little bit here, but what excites me about organic is not that it's just this historical system, but it's also a modern system. And I think the more we understand about this relationship between microbes and soil and soil health and carbon sequestration and how biodiversity creates plant health, like it's in that form. It's a whole new form of innovation from my perspective. Maybe it's not as technologically driven as other forms of agriculture, but by no means is it not a highly complex, sophisticated system that we're you know, we're really trying to emulate nature and use nature's gifts to be productive. And I think that on that basis is where we really see so much more to come. Um, so yeah, I think we're excited about our place. We're very passionate about organic and probably tell. And, you know, what we really want to do is see it as in many ways as somewhat of a pre-competitive space. Like let's help each other out as an organic industry. Let's grow this all together and not feel like we have to own it as a singular group. It's something that is to be shared and celebrated in that way. And I think that is a bit unique in this world of capitalism that, you know, as an industry, we really want to support each other and grow with each other. And, you know, and often our competitors in the marketplace are still our allies when it comes to a lot of the, the research work we're doing or evolving farm practices. And that part also, it's just really enjoyable. And, and it's just been an honor that Amy's can be part of it. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And it's something I was trying to allude to earlier, but you've made, a, you made much better sense of it than I did, which is, look, 
you were early to the organic space, but now that you see a lot of people, competitors included, doing this around you, it seems like Amy's is interested in everyone doing this because the best benefit can come from you know, everyone going organic in this Absolutely. space. Um, I, I like that approach and I like the philosophy. So you know, hard to believe, but we're kind of wrapping up our, our time here. It always goes quicker <laughs> sure. than people think, but I guess one last question, you know, you've talked a lot about the history and the ethos of the company. Give me a sense of what's next for Amy's in the area of sustainability. You've talked a little bit about it, um, but you know, just kind of what's on the horizon. What, what are you looking towards down the road? Sure. I mean, I think first of all, just in terms of the broad company, there's still so much room to grow for us. And we're really excited as more and more consumers come into the brand and experience a product they like, you know, we see becoming a bigger place in the food system. And we're excited for that. Specifically to sustainability, I think the big areas is, you know, a little bit as I was alluding to, what is the future of organic agriculture? How do we scale it? How do we invest in research so it's more productive? Um, how do we bring down cost of organic so it's not something that's just there for the elite few, but affordable and accessible to everybody. Um, within our business, I think probably similar goals and objectives to most food companies, really, you know, working towards the elimination of wasted food, uh, looking at other areas of waste to landfill, really excited about, you know, where packaging can go to more closed loop solutions, you know, where we can ultimately grow our packaging and return it to the soil or, or you know, or recycle that packaging. So it, you know, it goes into a closed loop process. Um, Another big area that we're really, I think, opening our eyes as many people are is just to the you know, kind of impacts of social injustice, um, you know, and, and really, you know, committing to more of a holistic justice, equity, diversity and inclusion approach and looking at within, which we're really focused on right now and, and how we show up in different communities and groups within our organization, but also how we show up externally, uh, both in our supply chain and in our customer base. So that that's a big area. I I'll be totally honest. We're early in that journey. I think we recognize how much we don't know and, and where we want to go, but we still are trying to find the right answers and really listen to the right people to make sure that we're building something, you know, fair and just and, and effective in that way. And as I mentioned, I think, you know, we see this all as a journey. There's not like a place you get to where all of a sudden you, you nailed it and you're done. We're learning new things every day. The challenges of the planet are different every day. We don't know what climate change will ultimately bring in terms of the resiliency of our business and where we need to adapt to it. So we need to stay nimble and agile and honest with what we do well and, and where we've got room to grow. And, and I think that's what it's going to be about is a lot of continuous improvement for, for many years and holding an aspiration that's just a little too hard to get, but it'll always keep us motivated to take a step forward. Absolutely. Well, I can't think of a better place to wrap to wrap it up. I know I've learned a tremendous amount. I know our, our audience members have as well. Paul really wanted to sincerely thank you for taking the time today, for educating all of us, for giving us some insight into a company that many of us knew something about before this, but certainly learned a lot about by listening today. So thank you so much. Uh, be sure thank to you on our future episodes and uh, have a great day, Paul. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Don't Miss a Beat, brought to you by the law firm of Saul Ewing, Arnstein & Lear. Please be sure to subscribe to hear more podcast episodes related to developments in the food, beverage, and agriculture industry.